Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Football Tactics podcast. I'm your host Neil Shelath and as always I'm delighted to say I have been joined by Varun Vasudevan. How are you Varun? I'm good. I had a bit of a tiring week, a lot of work, so my plan was to chill over the weekend and yeah, nothing like talking with you guys about football is pretty chilling. So, glad to be here. I I hope you're well rested. I hope Alex uh, you're well rested as well because we have an interesting topic coming up, don't we? Uh we do indeed. Yeah, we spent 20 minutes off camera talking about it before we were meant to start it. So, this should be fun. Indeed. So, our topic without further ado is not a team this time. It's more of a concept. We will be talking about rest defense. Now, rest defense is I'm sure something that almost everyone will have heard of uh, in conversation or you know reading online or somewhere but it it may seem unclear to some people so that's why we thought we will tackle the concept as a whole we'll discuss what it is what it looks like how teams do it how you can analyze it and of course we'll dig into lots of examples to give you concrete ideas about what rest defense exactly is and then at the end we'll also have a bit about a, a a pretty relevant concept i think uh, from alex uh, who wh- where he feels is not discussed as much as it should be but it's it's interesting equally interesting uh, nonetheless but anyway let us first begin with uh, rest defense and let us begin with the word itself because uh, as everyone i'm sure acknowledges rest defense in english doesn't entirely accurately depict what the concept is supposed to be and the reason behind that is that the the phrase rest defense is a translation of the german word restverteidigung which literally translates from german to rest defense now the trouble here is verteidigung is defense that's easy enough but rest here uh, does not re- refer to the sort of rest varun was hoping to have uh, by chilling this weekend but rather it means remainder or what remains so rest defense basically means remaining defense uh, in literal translation right so in a sense rest defense refers to the the leftover defense if you will when your the, the team in question has possession so you can only do rest defense if that's a thing you can do when you have the ball you can't do rest defense without the ball uh, and essentially it's it's a concept which ties into what we when we talk about you know the 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 cyclical game model between attacking and defending so it's it's one of the transition phases it's the transition from attack to defense or more accurately from in possession to out of possession it's in this phase where your rest defense comes into the picture uh, to see how well or how securely you will make that transition uh, i think i'm still talking a bit uh, in maybe perhaps unclear terms so let's let's maybe dive into it and break it down in more detail so everyone can get a clear picture of what it's all about let's start with why we care about this so varun can you explain why rest defense matters yeah um good intro into that so i'll basically if you look at football over time um we largely know of the two phases attack and defense i mean imagine 20 years back we were having this conversation we just say these are the teams attack these are the teams defend that was usually the simplistic split of what a team does on the pitch but over time the control of the transitions has become really important so now you have four phases you attack when you have the ball 
you transition from attack to defense there is a period in which you are shifting from attack mode to defense mode and the opposition team is shifting from defense to attack then once you win the ball you're again shifting in another transition from defense to attack so you can basically say there are four game states now and what has become really important over time is teams uh dominating these two transitional phases the control over the transition phase phases often decides a match if a team is able to immediately win the ball in counter they often get that big chance that wins a game and if it, the opposing team is able to se- set up in a way that stops this then they are able to prevent that big chance so a lot of games have big, you know are starting to get decided by this even all the top teams uh you take anyone this transitional control has become really key to becoming a top team and that's where if you look at a simple question how to stop counters okay um any any good team no matter how much possession you have even if you are pep guardiola and you know you you're bossing 70% possession in those few moments that you lose the ball any team has that moment to hit you on the counter when you have less people at the back and get a good chance and score so it's a big threat to even the best manager and the best team so how do you stop that counter or at the or in a different way how do you make it more difficult for them and this is where the concept of leaving players behind to deal with this counter began so you know shall i leave a few players behind or shall my formation itself be in a way that i have a few players behind who can deal with the eventual counter now where do i position these players where are the deadliest counters i mean any logic you take whether you just take the eye test or you take the stats your high xg high xg high value chances are central they are the ones which are very central very clear path to goal so the wider you have a team which has to go to the wing to counter the more time you have to um, get players back towards the center and even if you are giving chances you're giving low quality chances from wide so maybe my rest defense or the players i leave behind should be central because counters are best in the center and the half spaces and i want to protect them it's okay if they go a little wide by the time they have to go wide and cross and dribble or do something you know my players can recover so that is why it has become important over time and that is why most of the structures we'll be talking about in this episode will have very very compact uh we'll get into the various ones but they'll all have compact structures which are essentially protecting the center so that high value chances are not given to the opposition yep that's that's absolutely spot on and just to quickly add one more thing um i i would say that we can sort of divide rest defense approaches broadly speaking into two types uh one is focused purely on limiting counter attacking threat which is what you described um and the other is also of course counter pressing which is a, yeah, another big concept about winning the ball back as quickly as possible after losing it and in my opinion it's it's an extension of rest defense as well so it's it's worth noting of course in both cases ultimately you are limiting the opposition's counter attacking threat but in the case of counter pressing you're doing so by winning the ball back whereas in the other instance you're doing so by buying time and then getting defenders or uh, your your team back in position to limit the quality of chance you may concede and of course the risk with counter pressing is that if it fails then you're going to give up a very dangerous chance but anyway we we will dig into those things uh, in a little bit as you said we'll also discuss the structures but before before that let's quickly talk about about a couple of other things let's let's talk i guess how uh, rest defense sort of works 
right? Um, so of course we'll get into the structures as I said, but uh, ultimately the key components are you know the individual players. I think Alex has a point to make uh, on on that. So take it away, Alex. Yes, I do. I think yeah the the interesting thing I find about rice defense is as you introduced it, it's a tactical concept, not just a tactic to employ. Like it's something that every manager has to consider. Uh, which means it can look dealing with it and setting up a good rest defense for your team will look very different upon the individuals you have. And obviously we'll look into that when we look at examples. But I think that's I think that's why it's an interesting thing to look at for a manager. Like if you have and it, it's I think it's why maybe centre backs going up in value as well as rest defense becomes more of a key concept for each coach. That like if you have really fast defenders, then that means you're possibly able to leave fewer players back to defend transitions because they'll be able to you know, defend those very, very quick counter-attacks. Like as if you have quite tall players, they might be able to clear aerial balls away um, to make sure like your team doesn't get... You know, opposition can't just pump it up and then they bring it down. And obviously, if you don't have these sorts of players, then you're going to need to leave more players back. And that obviously as well has an effect on the attack. And it, it, it's like almost like a negotiation, right, between, you know, as we're saying, how you, how you attack and how you defend. And um, it, it can look wildly different, I think, at every team. And it's always worth considering how much of a role the individuals are playing in it. And, yeah, I think that's why it's such an interesting concept to, to consider at every Premier League team. And um, you can always rank how each manager is dealing with it based on the individuals they have. Yeah, I mean, and just to add to that, uh, you mentioned it being part of the cycle. And I think that's how it has to be thought. I mean, we just described the four zones. And Neil also mentioned counter-pressing. And regardless of whether the strategy is counter-pressing or not, the idea that after I set up an arrest defense, how am I going to win the ball and then continue my attack? And then the cycle of defending transitions as defense, attacking, I mean... The whole thing flows in a cycle. So if depending on the overall philosophy a manager has on this is how I want to play football, this is how I want to attack, automatically the phrase and therefore this is how I need to defend and this is how my rest defense need to be, it comes as a part of that. So I mean all the examples we'll be discussing will be an extension of okay, so that's how they defend and that is why they're able to attack that way. So um, I think whenever we talk about these concepts, we have to understand that it's fitting into three more parts uh, of attack and defense cycles. And it makes sense in unison. It can't just be an individual. So you just put a three to rest defense and that's it. You are doing good rest defense forever. You know, it's, it's not like that. It goes in flow with the other things. So I think those variations are the really interesting things uh, when we talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think just to quickly add to... Alex's point about players, I guess, ultimately, it's a very simple thing, right? Your your defense is going to be as good as your defenders. Your attack is going to be as good as your attackers. Your team is going to be as as good as your players. So, always handy to have good, good, I mean, good defenders, good rest defenders, whatever. And of course, you do have to adapt your approach depending on who and what sort of profiles you have. Of course, profiles as well, something we've discussed in the past. But... Uh, before we uh, dive into our examples, let's also quickly talk about how uh, we can analyze rest defense from you know a, a viewer, an analyst, a fan's point of view. 
I think one thing to note is that when, and you'll see this in our examples, when we talk about rest events, we will mainly talk about teams that are quite possession dominant because uh, as, as, as we discussed before, the concept of rest defense only comes into play when you have the ball, right? So, and when you're attacking or, or certainly uh, going forward with the ball. So if, if you're like a low possession team that thri- like t- tends to thrive on the counterattack and wants to create chances on the counterattack, like for example, a West Ham, for, uh, let's say, then rest defense for West Ham will not be as important as it will be for a top uh, possession dominant side rather like Manchester City. Now that is not to say that rest ham do not do rest defense because uh, as Alex said, everyone has to do rest defense because it's it's a part of the game. But uh, it's not so important for West Ham, not nearly as much as it is for Manchester City. So essentially what I'm saying here is rest defense is more important for possession dominant teams and also much more visible and easier to analyze because they have more of the ball. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Now, uh, let's talk about how we can analyze rest defense. Uh, let's start with what to look for when, when you're watching uh, the matches. And I think the interesting point uh, about rest defense in particular is, as as with many sort of tactical concepts, you can't afford to sort of ball watch. You can't track the ball around to get an idea of what's going on with rest events. Now, this is true of almost any tactical theme, whether it's like a defensive block or an attacking shape or whatever. But in in, you know, in many of the cases, you can at least hover around the vis- the vicinity of where the ball is. But if, if you want to analyze rest defense, you basically have to do the opposite because rest defense comes into play the most when the ball is in the opposition's half or even in the opposition third. So when the ball is further forward, to understand a team's rest defense approach, you'll have to turn your gaze back to their, you know, defense and and their d- deep defensive or deeper players. So that's one thing to keep in mind is that you can't ball watch, but in fact you have to watch the opposite side of action compared to the ball. Um, and of course, like, you look for sort of structures and and pl- players who's there, who's not there, what are they doing, how are they behaving, all, all the sort of standard stuff when you're trying to analyze the game. So that's that's one part of it. And the other part of it is statistics. Now, we, we don't have a great deal of uh, out-of-possession statistics in general, which are readily available because most uh, publicly available data is event data. That is uh, all, all stats relevant to on-ball actions like passes, shots, touches, all that. Whereas, of course, rest defense and such things are you know without the ball. So it's tougher to calculate, tougher to uh for to like assign uh, values to and therefore we have fewer stats but we do have some stats for out of possession stuff of course you'll have seen pressures might have heard of ppda and stuff like that but also there there is some stuff for rest defense in particular uh, and the, the the big stat that springs to my mind is the gegenpressing intensity uh from uh soccer men now, this is not only rest defense, but also specifically a counter-pressing focus statistic um, as, as obviously gegenpressing is uh, the German word basically for counter, uh, counter-pressing. So with this, they measure in percentages the intensity of uh, a, a team's counter-press. So how many, how many bodies they're committing towards the ball. Um, and, I, you know... 
obviously if if you're doing it right you will generally find uh, that what you see lines up with uh, what the stats say so i think this should be a fairly straightforward one uh, but guys do you want to guess who had the highest gigan pressing intensity in the premier league last season i'm guessing liverpool alex uh, say again please uh, do you want to guess who had the highest gigan pressing intensity in the Premier League last season? Oh, I would say it's not Liverpool. Gagan pressing intensity. Do you want uh, me to read out the definition for you? No, 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 no. I don't, wanna, I don't need that much of an added benefit over this. Uh, I am going to go for... Actually, it's a tough one. Uh, screw it, we'll go Arsenal. Okay, the correct answer is, in fact, Liverpool... Uh, no, Arsenal are, are third, uh, Manchester City are second. I'll I'll just read out the definition uh, to be entirely clear. So uh, according to Soccer Point, of course, this is where uh, the start is from. GPI represents the fraction of times a team applies counter-pressing after losing the ball in attacking areas. That is, it performs a defensive action in the attacking half or recovers the ball in the defensive half following an unsuccessful opponent pass all of that is within six seconds of losing the ball in the attacking 40% of the pitch. Those are all big numbers and terms. Basically to say that GPI or gigan pressing intensity is measuring the, the percentage of times a team is either applying pressure or winning the ball back uh, within six seconds of losing it in, the, in, in an attacking area, the sort of opposition half uh, and a bit further of the pitch and of course there's a separate stat for gigan pressing efficiency which uh, measures how well uh, a, a team is uh, how successful it is because of course gpi uh, pressing intensity is only quantitative whereas efficiency will describe uh, how successful they are but these are all counter pressing stats as as we discussed at the start there's broadly speaking two uh, rest defense approaches one of them is counter pressing the other is not the other is restricting counter-attacking uh, threat and so uh, for, for, for to sort of measure this in stats a handy stat is xg conceded from counters obviously the lower the better now you do have to remember this is a bit of a tougher one to analyze uh, you do have to remember in this case that the teams that defend more in a block so with lower possession will naturally have a lower xg conceded from counters so the the sort of the the league leader in terms of xg considered from counters will not necessarily be the team with the best rest defense it, it in many cases it actually might end up being the team with like one of the lowest possession averages so you do have to analyze this a bit more carefully you know factoring in stuff like possession and and all that but as far as you know publicly available stats goes uh, that is one of the more helpful ones and just to illustrate that uh the sort of league leader uh, or rather the second team uh Second and third for lowest XG conceded from counters last season were Nottingham Forest and West Ham. And they were in the bottom three for possession percentage as well. So, you know, that's something to be careful of uh, for that stat. Anyway, that's, that's a lot of talking uh, in broad terms and general stuff. Let us now dive straight into our examples. But before we do that, let's just quickly distinguish between the two main uh, differences in rest defense approaches uh, Varun, take it away yeah um i mean like 
all things in defending and i think there's a concept everyone's familiar with uh, there are usually two types man to man marking and zonal defense i mean this is true for open play defense this is true for set piece defending and it's the same thing for edge defense as well basically the players that you're leaving behind what positions are they occupying so this is what defines that so in a man to man marking system the players you're leaving behind are being left as suppose you have a back 3 and the opponent has a front 3 and the instructions are right center back on the opponent left finger central center back on the striker left center back on the um right winger i mean suppose these are the instructions then you are following and and they roam around as much as they can with them if they drop your defender drops with them if they run the channel the defender runs the channel with them just take care of your man forget everything else so this kind of a philosophy is a man to man marking in rest defense and a very famous example of this is by the way um bayern versus barcelona when barcelona had the famous msn messi suarez neymar and uh, i think pep was the manager of bayern and enrique had msn and it was a champions league semi final and pep guardiola fielded a 352 or a 343 i don't remember but he had three players at the back and they were just one on one on msn it was very bold and i think it cost them the game in the end but for a while it was working he just trusted his three defenders to take care of those three brilliant players this is a bit more rare though um what is a bit more famous is a man to man plus one now this is a lot more realistic because you'll always have an extra defender usually if you have a back four and there's a front three then you can afford that one extra center back or defender uh, who will play like a cover role and everyone else is man marking and he's is that extra man if someone gets beaten or someone gets bypassed the extra man goes to one side and covers so man to man plus one is also a very famous concept your nine players are in a man marking system and they usually leave someone uh, of the opponent either the last center back or a full back and they mark the other nine closely so that they have a free man at the back so that's a man to man plus one and finally you have a zonal rest defense this is largely based on the areas that the defenders have to cover it doesn't matter on which opponent comes in those areas so this usually functions in a way like if it's again 3 2 for example a 3 2 rest defense where there are three defenders and two uh, midfielders or they could be any position but two players ahead of them and the understanding is that the central person covers the route to goal the two defenders on either side cover the half spaces or they go to the flanks and the two midfielders cover uh, the the midfield players or the midfield space in front uh, regardless of who comes in there so this is a more zonal approach and a lot of teams today uh, have a zonal approach in general you see a man marking approach at times in big games especially um brighton often go for a man marking approach uh, in big games last year uh, suppose in the case of manchester united they always do a zonal rest defense but in key big games like the barcelona game last year they went man to man as well city often go for a zonal defense um i don't remember if they ever went man to man they usually don't do that so it really depends a lot of the top teams do go for zonal but in situations they go for man to man bielsa's teams mostly always go for man to man uh very famously even his leeds team in the premier league they were always in a man to man uh rest defense so yeah those are some examples of um, 
how the approaches are uh, are distributed yep uh, i think you absolutely nailed it with especially the last point which is yeah in, in simply put zonal systems are far more popular than player oriented rest defense systems especially uh, as you outlined and usually player oriented ones are reserved for like big games and big players like msn but otherwise like when you when you're analyzing in broad terms like over the course of a season or like how a team plays we'll generally talk about a zonal system because obviously player oriented systems will change from matches uh, so with that in mind all the examples we're going to discuss will all be zonal uh, approaches and so they'll we we can you know enumerate them like 3 2 or 2 3 or whatever as as we'll get into but first i want to bring up the the team that definitely were the best uh, rest defenders uh, last season i think they might have some competition this time but i i would still call them the best uh, and that is of course manchester city uh, now they are not necessarily always fixed in structure because they do sometimes tend to switch things up with their in possession shape but generally speaking uh, of late especially they've always had a 3-2 at the back and then five attackers right and they do create that in various different ways uh, whether it's a full back inverting uh two midfielders staying deep and one of the full backs staying deep or one of the center backs pushing into midfield as we saw with John Stones so so they do have you know various ways but uh one thing to note is especially to in the second half of last season what we saw with Manchester City was them using four sort of tr- out and like or rather not out and out but like traditional center backs like four center backs by trade across their back line and then pushing one into midfield or having one go inside like john stones of course a prime example so i think what this sh- highlights is the point alex made earlier about you know rest defense ultimately relying a good deal on individuals so in general terms center backs are you'd expect at least will be stronger and better in duels and tackles and generally in defending than midfielders right so that's why by using four center backs and plus rodri who's also very very good um manchester city i would say further strengthened their rest defense by having more players who can who are more successful at duels so to speak uh or certainly better at duels uh, in in their rest defense structure in let's say 3-2 uh and so that you know it was very hard to counter attack against them because you rarely ever get past these defenders and you know contrast that with for example if let's say they had bernardo silva maybe in one of the the deeper positions in that 3-2 base uh, now of course he's not a bad player he's amazing in possession but he's not quite as strong as a rodri or you know john stones or ruben diaz defending so you know op- op- opponents could look to target him while counter attacking but now with like f- basically five giants at the back it's it's almost impossible to even counter attack against city so yeah i think that's one interesting point to note i think burn has something to add uh, before we move on to arsenal yeah i think um, very good explanation i just wanted to add one line on why pep has reached here because traditionally his barcelona teams his bayern team even his earlier city team uh, even as recent as 2 to 3 year, years ago they were vulnerable to counters i mean we all remember even like solskjaer united 
uh, got them on the counters in the champions league also they had a few losses to real madrid uh, and some other teams on the counter and it was just that one barrier i mean if guardiola is sitting in 2017 or 2018 or 2019 and thinking how can i make my team you know a treble winning team probably the answer in his mind would have been that vulnerability to counters i need to make that you know very low and i think a very good example of everything that you said uh, culminated in last season's end where they played inter milan who are very good uh, very good at transitions and we discussed this in the inter milan episode they have target men up front they have a very good organized defense that immediately knows how to counter and they were completely shut down by this strong 3-2 rest defense like um strong center backs and rodri all repeatedly winning their duels um so i remember uh, making a whiz on onana's pass map for that game and he had eight or nine long balls into the city half all nine were unsuccessful so city won all nine long balls that entered their half in that final so that is the culmination of guardiola's question on how do i win a treble and how do i fix my vulnerability to counters that is what an elite rest defense does no well, i think that i want to challenge neil's uh claim that they're the best rest defense uh, they did win the league of course but i think arsenal uh for periods of the last season uh had the best rest defense with saliba benoit gabriel uh, zinchenko inverting as well it's like um part in defensive as well it's, their defense with saliba i think is the key because once he got taken out it did I will admit, look worse than that. He's going back to the individual thing, but they're three-two shape. I, I I watch Arsenal when they deploy this now, and it just feels completely unbeatable in counter attacks. And again, this is mainly down to Saliba. Gabriel was a a big part of it as well. And if Ben White's back, he's really strong. But Saliba is like built for this concept. I feel like that. He, he does everything so composed. He's so strong, so quick. The two elements I mentioned earlier about being tall and being really fast, uh, Saliba has. But I think the interesting thing to discuss with Arsenal, which is why I wrote it down as well, is they're currently playing a, a 3-2 shape, but we've spoken about the cycle, attack and defence and the balance. Uh, Arsenal are struggling for goals at the moment. Uh, their expected goals has gone right down. They've scored quite a lot of goals this season from penalties. And I think we're seeing Ben White. At the start of the season, he was hanging back to keep this, maintain this 3-2. And as the season's gone on, he's been more and more aggressive in his supporting runs to Saka. And now it feels like the rest defence, while on paper it would be a 3-2, it's veering further and further away from that as Arsenal try and break down opposition teams who are sitting deep and frustrating them. So it'll be interesting to see how Arsenal, who I think had a really elite rest defence last season, and have the, the components to make it great this season, how they switch it up as their desperation for goals continues. I wonder if anyone had a feeling of that. Of course they did, because Varane put his hand up straight away. No, I again, I totally agree with you. And again, it comes back to what you said earlier about the players, about the opponents, about the game state. And Arsenal had a much more solid 3-2 reliance last year. This year, as you said, they at times went in that 3-1 kind of shape and or they committed you know fullbacks in the back line like I think the first three matches party was inverting into midfield and uh, 
Ben White, Zinchenko, Timber, were all acting like fullbacks, you know. So they needed to break down opponents. And then in other cases, they're able to do this simply because they have Declan Rice now in midfield, who's a bit of a cheat code when it comes to, you know, uh, stopping transitions. He's probably one of the best transition defenders in, in midfield in, in the world, probably. So, and and then the pressing is also really good. I mean, with Havertz, they've added a pressing element at the start. And even before that, um, Jesus and their attackers are really good pressers. So then they feel at times they can commit that extra person. So again, it comes back to dynamics and it, it's always chopping and changing. But I think that's the reason Arsenal can, you know, uh, take a bit of that risk when they need a goal. Yeah, you know, as you say, Rice is an absolute cheat code. As Alex said, Saliba is an absolute cheat code. So definitely, Arsenal, I think, have the components for the best, you know, rest defense, the strongest. Simple answer: buy cheat codes. Yeah, how, how to do rest defense? Buy buy good defenders, buy strong defenders. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good point Alex raises about being able to balance um, rest defense and attack because obviously, when you have the ball, a good part of it is also to score a goal. Um, and yeah, of course, while we are talking in these terms, I think it's important to note that it's not so rigid, right? So, like when we say a 2 3 rest defense structure, it does not mean it's illegal for one of the fullbacks to push up. It's just, you know, generally speaking, in, in broad terms, the structure is a 2 3, but it's not purely rigid in that sense. So, people will move in and out uh, at times. Of course, some more rigid than others. So, for example, uh, Manchester City, like if if one of the fullbacks, you know, dares overlap, you know, Pep Guardiola will personally go and you know, give him a good shouting and hook him off as well. Uh, but, you know, for other teams, it might not be so rigid. So, of course, that varies uh, from uh, team to team. But yeah, I guess speaking of not very rigid and not very strong, uh, let's let's talk about Varun's beloved Manchester United. Uh, I, I guess we leave it to him to analyze their wonderful rest defense so far this season. Right, Varun? Yeah, not so wonderful is probably better. Um, so, I think generally we spoke about going into 3-1 at times, right? Uh, where Arsenal commit that extra person. And a lot of teams do this on a regular basis. I mean, somewhere it's linked to your in-possession shape, right? When you say Guardiola plays a 3-2-5 and you also say Guardiola has a 3-2-rest defense, you're kind of referring to the same thing. That they have 3 in the first line, 2 in midfield and then a front 5 spread of attackers. So a lot of managers also love in the same vein a 3-1-6, you know, to overload the... Uh, attack. So even if the opponent has a very compact block or a block of five defenders, six players can overload them, you know, and they really push up and they want to be that aggressive. So there are a few managers that like that 3-1 and they think they can get away. And Ten Hag is one of them. Um, his build-up patterns change a lot. I mean, in every situation, you can see it'll be very different. Everything ranging from 4-2, 3-1, all of it you'll see in build-up. But once the team crosses those two phases, he usually likes to keep at the back a 3-1. And this is true even during his Ajax days, even currently at United, even last year, even this year. He does rely on just one defensive midfielder and three players at the back. I do think it's a little risky. Um, I think a very recent example was um, the last match uh, United played and Amrabat was the only midfielder and there were three defenders behind. Lindelof was inverting from left back and I think Maguire and Evans were the starting centre-backs. So three centre-backs at the back, that, which is which is fair, but Amrabat's the only midfielder and he's the one who lost the ball. 
and the moment he lost the ball in midfield that's now a 3 on 3 on your center backs and maguire got burned in transition and finally it was um i think the opponent made a mispass and lindelof could in- intercept and the the team escaped but that's always the risk with a 3-1 then your four should be very good duelers and you probably have to keep a lot of possession uh, another team that does this is um, especially recently is um, atletico madrid and simeone is usually very good uh, defensively but at times they do have issues because of their uh, 3-1 shape uh, so hermoso usually comes in uh savage hermoso the i mean over the last 2 3 years these are players he's used and the defensive midfielder will drop in and koke or someone will be there right in front to form a 3-1 and the wing backs which have at times been galan and molina they are high up morata griezmann are high up saul depol or whoever are the eights are in the half spaces and then suddenly it's a little spread out and there's a lot of pressure on the 3-1 so it is a little risky in Atletico's is uh, in Atletico's case especially the eights are very good at coming back and being central and compact so the 3-1 is never to isolated the problem becomes when you to isolated uh, nagelsman for bayern last year was again a proponent of 3-1-6 and kimich would be the lone midfielder pavard would come in narrow to form as a right center back along with the two actual center backs and this 3-1 would be a little under pressure throughout and I think a part of that has also continued to this season. Thomas Tuchel wanted a number six, a defensive midfielder, all the time. We saw in the games against Leipzig, they got burned in transitions through the center. Kimmich is still playing as the number six. Limer is now playing on the right, so that he comes in like a defensive midfielder. Uh, but they still have that three-one kind of going on where Goretzka doesn't drop. So, yeah, I mean, it is a little risky. to have 3-1 but then again as i said it's all about balance some managers feel 3-1s enough and if the others can recover like in tenag's case um in he's been repeatedly saying the midfielders need to recover and the recovery from midfielders has not been good and even in tuchel's case and nagelsman earlier that's what they kept thinking that you know my other players should come and recover and then the 3-1 works on its own so yeah it's just a philosophy thing i guess yeah absolutely and Yeah, as you point out, this is rest defense is obviously something which, I mean, we say it comes into play when you have possession. But to be more accurate, generally when you have possession in the opposition half, because when you're building out, you're not going to commit so many bodies forward. So, I mean, one, you don't play risky passes to lose the ball, uh, and two, you still have a fair few people back. But so that's why you know you'll never see a pure like three-one build-up structure like in your own half. but it it could i mean in often cases does a uh, transition into a 3-1 base structure in the opposition half uh, united a great example of that so yeah i guess it ultimately depends on i say one philosophy two you know what sort of profiles you have in your squad because you know like a 3-1 with like a rice at the base uh, and and a saliba in the backline wouldn't look so bad uh, and and yeah ultimately you know how how the coach wants the team to play but uh, let's also now move on to another shape we've talked uh, mainly about back th- uh, th- three back three so like uh, three in the last line let's now move on to what you'd see from a traditional back four which would leave obviously two center backs and generally speaking uh, when you have two you generally want to have three in front of them so we mostly see a 2-3 uh, rest defense structure uh in in most cases uh, let's just try and think of examples 
Uh, Varun, can you can you come up with anything from this season, perhaps? Yeah, I think two three is a lot more rare. You rarely see a proper proper two three. Like Alex mentioned earlier, sometimes when Ben White goes into midfield, then Arsenal look like a two three. But I think if I had to pick one team which looked like a very steady two three rest defense, then that that would be Ange Postecoglou Spurs. Um, I remember in our first episode we spoke about Ange and. one of our main talking points was how he loves both full backs to invert and almost all the cases we have spoken so far uh, we usually see one full back inverting and one tucking in like the benjamin pavard example was him tucking in or lindelof example was him tucking in in ange's cases he loves both full backs to almost go like you know uh, midfielders i mean they form a midfield triangle with their number 6 leaving only two center backs at the back so that's the formation of the 2 3 um it's a little ballsy it's a little risky and what eventually happens is now you are committing a lot of width um remember earlier i said you don't want to defend wide channels much or you know even if you want to uh you want to block the center and then you should also be able to cover it um at least quickly enough you know and this puts a lot of pressure on that and which is why ange likes his center backs to be very very good channel defenders and that is why if you are anywhere on social media you will see vicky van der ven and christian romero getting a lot of praise because they really ball in those roles i can't think of two better players to defend channels and you have to be quick you have to be aggressive you have to cover a lot of ground and both center backs do that well and that's the reason and can even deploy a 2 3 and this is one thing i mean a lot of teams cannot do there are very few center backs who have that kind of coverage have that kind of agility and uh, defensive coverage so it is uh, uh, that is why i think the 2 3 is less seen uh, but i think when it works it works uh, just another thing on this and this comes back to uh, a quote ten hag used where when there was a lot of discussion on why, why maguire is playing um on the right and not on the left like he prefers and ten hag said it's for rest defense issues because he's very good with tackling with his strong leg his right leg but he's not good with his left leg so i want him on the right to go out and tackle you know on uh, with his right foot and that brings us to a good point especially in the 2 3 is that probably you need strong foot strong side center backs you know and it also shows how it, important rest defense is to managers you know it's why uh, ange uh, wanted vicky van der ven because he's a left footed strong uh, channel defender it suits his uh, game perfectly so just another angle on you know how much managers actually think about um, uh, rest defense um there aren't too many examples actually neil do you know of any any other examples yeah i think you know as you said just to quickly add to the spurs example first of all uh it is a 2 3 but then especially in the opposition like opposition third will often even become like a 2 1 because the full backs aren't so rigid like even though they're narrow they are encouraged to push on i think recently we were also seeing them rotate with the number 8s so there's a lot of movement so like the fixed structure is only sort of the 2 1 really and as you say that is you know co- quite a quite a i mean risky thing to do but i mean if it works it it works really well and obviously for that you do need your center backs to be amazing channel defenders as you point out but when you don't have those amazing channel defenders and backs you might have to sort of uh, come up with a different uh, solution if you want to play the 2 3 and that generally involves more 
reserved fullbacks or sort of less attacking fullbacks. Of course, a prime example of this is uh, Manchester City. Uh, I think what nineteen twenty or twenty twenty one, basically pre Holland this this season before he arrived, where they they often had Canseo uh, on on the left or right, um, stepping in almost inverting, but in in a two three structure. And although he was sometimes allowed to you know push forward a bit, it's not quite so much. So it was a pretty fixed two three for Manchester City before they moved to the 3-2. That was after a Holland game, and I believe. Uh, but another example that springs to my mind is uh, England's women's team. Uh, they played just last night uh, when we were recording this against Belgium uh, in the Nations League. And yeah, that was a, a 4-3-3, which moved into a you know, proper traditional 2-3-2-3 uh, with like relatively deeper fullbacks, yeah, pushing on in the op- opposition half, but uh, fairly deep. It through most phases and so that's they obviously changed to a back three at the world cup so for those of you who watched them there it's only the first couple of games where they had a two three rest defense structure but that was a fairly rigid one the fullbacks did not push on a lot in that case and yeah while we also talk about all these good uh rest defense structures i think it's also worth pointing out a not very good one uh, and one that springs to mind is barcelona of course we Spoke about their issues uh, in this regard, uh, their weakness to counterattacks in our uh, season preview uh, for La Liga, and we can already see that happening with them. Uh, you know, for them, it's I think a good chunk of it is also with regard to personnel. They don't have the strongest defenders and strongest rest defenders like Arsenal do, for instance, and so they they did use a three-two for a good chunk. Of last season and uh, the start of this season as well, but since Joao Cancelo has come in, I would say it's been more of a two-three. But you, I mean, you can see weaknesses there. Oriel Romeo at, at the base of it is pretty strong, but often you you have Frankie De Jong to his left, who's you know, far from the strongest uh, rest defender, and then at the back, they haven't really had fully fit centre backs all the time. So you know, while Ronald Araujo is very very good, uh, someone like uh, maybe let's say Anders Christensen is not that great uh, so he can of course and before they had eric garcia who was uh, sometimes susceptible quite susceptible to being beaten in transition so yeah the, the 2-3 in particular i think it relies quite a bit on uh, individual personnel so when it doesn't work like barcelona you you can be exposed and opened up uh, quite quite easily all right uh, i think that's that's mostly for our uh, rest defense examples Unless, Varun, uh, do you have any any other uh, structures in mind? Uh, yeah, we do have, of course, uh, uh, a 2-4 or a 4-2 or a 2-2, depending on how you want to look at it. But yeah, I uh, think uh, I've seen 4-2 more often in international football or with man-marking systems. Like, Bielsa had a 4-2 at Leeds. Um, he currently has a 4-2 with Uruguay. Uh, I've seen a photo with Mexico as well. And one common pattern is they're all very well spread out photos. They are all very intense man marking uh, structures because you have numbers. You can be a bit more spread out and run behind, you know, the opponent players. So that's the idea with having extra numbers. You know, I have six players who I'm committing. So they better be, you know, flexible enough to run around, go into midfield, go wide. Everything is possible. So here the... Just to explain how different it is to suppose a Guardiola well-structured 3-2, which is narrow and compact and centre-backs are sticking to their zones compared to 
afford to you know be elsa leeds or uruguay or mexico which are just running all over the place wherever their opponents are going but they have the intensity uh, these teams uh, all the teams i just named they have very fast runners lot of intensity lot of stamina to keep doing that up and down keep running behind their markers and frustrating them so again comes back to manager philosophy comes back to the players you have um and uh, very few managers though like this uh, man marking setup and deploying you know a four two um and following opponents all across the pitch it, it's rare but then it happens and it's definitely fun to watch so i think that would cover probably the remaining uh, examples in terms of structure yep fair enough and i think just one final point to add is of course counter pressing uh we again we outlined it before in with some of our stats but like you know i think this is something which is a bit more familiar to everyone than uh, rest defense uh, from a counter attack prevention point of view obviously counter pressing is focused on winning the ball back as soon as possible um and great examples are of course liverpool under jurgen klopp uh, and again with counter pressing the key is in your in possession structure and mainly in maintaining close distances between your attacking players so like if you, if you let's say you take a 2 3 2 structure in possession while your rest defense requires a lot from you know the, your back your two center backs and the three ahead of them counter pressing will also involve the two uh, sort of midfielders and maybe even one of the attackers because the key here is winning the ball back immediately as soon as you lose it so it's springing onto the ball from in all directions possible or whatever and so it's crucial to have as small distances as possible between your your attackers and the ball while of course also maintaining enough width and sort of stretching the opposition defense in in various ways as possible so it's an interesting dyna- dynamic it's uh, really you know a, a, a real balance between two things between having these good rest defense and counter pressing structures uh, and having you know good functional attacks because another popular example of counter pressing is not so much right now but in, in traditional terms the the red the two big european red bull teams and their styles of play have have been heavily reliant on counter pressing because it's a famous uh, quote from ralf rangnick about uh winning the ball back within 6 seconds after you lose it which was his philosophy and that's why if you look at his favored sort of formation of 4222 with the the six ahead of the defenders they would all be positioned in a way where they can either all spring uh in the center from all directions or also access the wings to counter press so that's uh that's another example and finally one last relevant concept especially for counter pressing is uh, tactical fouling because when you counter press you're almost doing the opposite of what you will intuitively want to do when you lose the ball because you're not running backwards you're not going to protect your goal you're ch- going forward to chase the ball but obviously that means you're leaving yourself even more exposed at the back and so if your counter pressing fails you know if you don't get a tackle in if you don't win the ball and then the opposition has a great great counter attacking opportunity even better than they initially had so at such times uh if you can't win the ball back the next best thing to do is to stop your opponent from advancing and if you can't do it by winning the ball you have to foul them so yeah very popular example of course is manchester city fernandinho and now rodri are renowned for their 
tactical fouling uh, and and also their ability to get away without getting booked which is crucial because if one of your players is booked they basically cannot commit a tactical foul again so that's that's a very interesting concept as well there's a lot of debate on it some people say you know if you commit a tactical foul you should be sent off straight away i think that's harsh to be honest i think what we have right now is is a is a fun dynamic as well in watching how players commit tactical fouls too so uh yeah as long as they do it in a safe manner which they mostly tend to do it's either pulling a shirt or uh, something of that sort uh, i think it's it's fair enough but anyway i think that mostly covers it for rest defense and a bit of counter pressing now to finally round us off we have something from alex on what is being known as rest attack which is basically the opposite of rest defense uh, if you think about the four phases that we initially discussed rest defense is limited to the transition between in possession to out of possession now alex wants to tackle the transition from out of possession to in possession what are your thoughts alex yeah i've just this is something i read quite recently uh, a couple of things on it on um, spielvalagren and um i had this podcast as well it was interesting to talk about because you know we've just spent 50 minutes talking about rest defense it's a concept i think people a lot of people are familiar with now i think even some casual fans are beginning to get familiar with it in the UK. But the concept of rest attack, while it's been around, well, I think it's always been around in football, it's not been delved into as much. So rest attack is like, yeah, it's exactly like rest defence, but the opposite. It's where you position your attackers out of possession to take the most, or have the most impact once you do get possession and transition and go forward. And, you know, that's the thing that every team does, right? West Ham will play Antonio a bit wider in the channels, uh, out of possession, so they can quickly launch the ball into him, and uh, they they can drag themselves forward. Inter Milan tends to have Lautaro Martinez and Marcus Turan quite wide apart, um, and that's again to split the opposition defence. But a rest attack is, as I said, a phrase that only came across recently, and um, I think it's. While there's some effort put into it, as I've just outlined, I feel like it, we've not spoken about it much in general tactical circles. And I think the reason is we're yet to see a team really put a lot of effort into using it to take down opposition teams so much. Like obviously, the effort is there to position your players in the best positions. But as you said, rest defence is about a lot more than that. And uh, I, I, I do look forward to... Um, having well seeing some teams or whichever manager it is come along um pile all of their methodology into this and seeing if we can sort of start start another revolution uh in tactics with our rest defense we'll see what teams you know revolutionize rest attack yeah it's it's interesting i think it obviously it ties into perhaps even more uh, the out-of-possession approaches and structures than rest defense does to in-possession because while you can be a bit fluid in possession, it's tougher to be fluid out of possession, generally speaking. But yeah, I think to give a simple example of it, uh, like let's say you're defending in a 4-4-2, then like one example of sort of rest attack approaches would be how your wingers defend, right? So now... One approach will be to have them track back a lot and to support the fullbacks, double up on the opposition winger, which is great, protects your back line and fullbacks and defense really well. But that does limit your attacking threat because you're only leaving the two strikers up top. 
another approach would be to have your wingers not track back so much maybe not you know drop too deep in their own third uh, so that when you win the ball back and perhaps go along to a striker they're already up there making the runs alongside them and you know threatening in behind perhaps receiving linking up so yeah it's 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 an interesting concept definitely as you say um and yeah i think the the clearest uh, aspect you'll be able to see it in is either as you say the positioning of of a striker especially like a big target striker and the positioning of wingers uh, in terms of how much they track and how uh, or, or rather how ready they are to spring forward in transition but yeah it's it's definitely something that's developing and just to quickly uh, tie uh, or add a bit on this in terms of stats there's again quite little available uh, publicly on this but um one simple stat of course would be to look at xg f- uh, created from counters uh, per 90 or, or basically per match or whatever where xg created from counters and in this regard uh, the best team last season in the premier league were manchester united so i think as uh, varun alluded to a bit before Uh, they did tend to rely on transitional approaches in big games and at least last season uh, they were successful and please report they are not quite successful this season uh, so uh, let's see how it goes for them but yeah i think that's that's the one big stat xg created from counters which you can use to uh, basically assess how good a team is at counter attacking and therefore you know take that in for their uh, into account for how how their rest attack works uh, but uh, yeah i think that's that's all we have really as as you say alex it's it's still got uh, some way to develop hasn't it yeah and i think the interesting note maybe we while we haven't spoken about it i think the popularization of rest defense has come from teams like arsenal manchester city who obviously have quite philosophical coaches as well as extremely intelligent ones in pep guardiola and mikel arteta like i feel like they're willing to they they want to evolve the game as well as the way their own sides play right and maybe the reason we haven't seen rest attack is that it would pertain more to teams who are defense first like realistically a, a team who would benefit the most from nailing the concept of rest attack like being able to consistently go forward from uh, transition forward and place their attackers in the optimal positions and make the optimal runs it would be a team like a, a west ham united right um but David Moyes probably isn't thinking about that necessarily. It's going to be more about limiting the opposition, and it may, maybe that's why we were yet to see it explode because the the managers. I mean, this is I guess generalizing a bit. I'd say the managers who are more likely to, you know, try new things out are the ones who want to maintain possession and dominate the game through controlling the ball. Uh, whereas, and the, by that nature, they're going to have less opportunities to well, less time to dedicate to their rest attack so it, maybe it really will take a completely niche guy a niche team to come along and uh, blow it wide open yeah i think maybe just to i mean i don't know if i'm rephrasing your point or maybe adding something but basically the way i i, I think of it is you now rest defense was you know popularized or you know developed or whatever by these managers who are all ultimately def- like defensive or conservative in nature right so like pep guardiola michael arteta all of them 
you know while they their teams play possession dominant football and score lots of goals their first priority is to control the games right and they control the games through possession through keeping the ball but a big aspect of control of course is controlling transitions as varun said and limiting transitions so that's why they focus a, g- a great deal on rest defense uh, and, and getting it right uh, and also then go on to develop their in possession play and everything but uh, as you say for rest attack you need a defense defensive or defense oriented team someone who defends deep a good deal uh, low possession team generally and for a, for a low possession team for a defense oriented team your first priority is always 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 going to be defending your own goal and preventing the opposition from scoring so that's why that as you say it pushes the rest attack down in the priority uh, a priority list and so it's maybe not given as much thought uh, as rest defense might be for possession dominant teams and of course the other part of it is that top teams generally tend to be possession dominant so they get a lot more attention so that's why manchester city's rest defense is analyzed a lot more than west ham's rest attack but uh, yeah i think that should cover that unless you have something else to add nothing you nailed it all nailed it all you're amazing then you finished it <laughs> ah well then i think we're just about done uh, with this episode uh, thank you very much guys for joining as ever uh, thanks to everybody listening as always you can find all of us on twitter uh, i am at shailat neel varun is runs the at devils dna or at the devils dna account uh, and alex is at euroexpert underscore you can also find the get football accounts uh, if you go to at get football eu underscore where you'll find all the the country specific accounts in the bio and on those across all our outlets we'll be covering football from all around the world with all the all the latest updates in news pieces as well as analysis videos opinions all sorts of stuff uh, from some of the most uh, plugged in people uh, across across the game so do keep an eye out for those you can find all of that uh, in the description or uh, show notes uh, depending on what app you're listening to this on so you can take a look down there and if your app allows it uh, please do rate the podcast uh, as well because it helps us and if we did well which i think we did uh, give us a good five stars and yeah of course if you enjoyed it then feel free to share it as well but in any case uh, thanks a lot for listening uh, thanks to you too for joining me and we'll be back with another topic very soon indeed take care until then farewell